42, 16. Sacred to the universe. 16 isn't an important number. Stop that nonsense. I don't know where you got that from. You're interrupting my spiel. All right. Don't you know where a well is? I'm not interrupting your spiel because you haven't started yet, lazy. Because because you interrupted, Doc. Jeez, we're a well-oiled machine. We're professional podcasters. Jeez. Wait. No, you're not. I mean, we've been paid. That makes us professional. Okay. We broke even. That makes us <laughs> almost professional. So, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, uh, in case you didn't know, uh, Jamie Denote has been on the show, but can you introduce yourself for people living under rocks who missed our previous episode? <laughs> um, hi, I'm Jamie. Um, I'm a uh, new sci-fi author, and I've, I have a couple of short stories out in the uh, Freehold universe, and now in on Deadly Ground, and um, yeah, just make them away. She, uh, she's I'm also an owner. Army veteran, uh, Army National Guard specifically. Uh, I was an air defense officer, and uh, now I spend my days as a um, an Air Force wife and uh, stay at home. Somebody's got to marry him. Yeah, I, I think the the stay at home mom was outdated. I think everyone voted that it's like domestic engineer or something because it sounded better. Oh, I don't engineer. Just... Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, man, maybe they didn't include you in the memo, but I guess you just ignored the memo. So like straight to spam. <laughs> All right. There and, was uh, no memo like that, Jr. It, they just gave you that title when you were crying about being a stay-at-home dad. It's okay. No, no, no. It was totally a memo. No, no, no. It's just what they told you so you could feel manly again. So. So. Uh, uh, and then if you don't know who I am, since we've uh, we've been on this podcast now going on a year, four if you count the sci-fi shenanigans, but I would be author J.R. Hanley, Army veteran. Um twice of the late unpleasantness in Mesopotamia uh, and then uh, a lot of barracks duty uh, as I went up and down the ranks, you know, experiencing the kaleidoscope of life that the army had to offer. So, and maybe we should tell them why we're letting you introduce yourself because today JR gets to play both Mike podcasting bitch and author. Ouch, stock. That hurt. You liked it. (laughs) Oh, all right. So uh, the no, next I didn't say no. I don't want to get struck by lightning. So the next part of the introduction, dear listener, is how we first found them. So I found Jamie through her husband, Krista Note, who's a fellow author in many of the same anthologies she was, who's writing uh, big boy novels now, if the Air Force ever gives him enough free time. Uh, and he's an active member of the Galaxy's Edge community. Uh, and so when we were working on a new world that I needed a co-author to help flush out some parts where I was weak to improve the overall series. He said lots of nice things about his wife. Uh, although she could have bribed him for that. You know, I, I hear that's how that works sometimes. <laughs> you know what they say, happy wife, happy life. There so, was no bribery involved. All right, I didn't know Doc, about this when he was doing it. Did, how did you find them? Did you find them through me or did you actually have like some bar scene where you met them at? Who, me? Yeah, did you know the denotes before? No, I, I actually them? met them through you. It was a first, a very rare mm. thing. 
you could have lied and be like, no, we were totally at this bar in Cancun. And no, I'm trying to let people make people think that you actually, I don't know, don't live under a rock nice half your time. No, I, if I could figure out how to go underground with a rock to like protect me from the above, I'd totally build my below ground bunker. Like I've really investigated buying some of those old Air Force silos JR, just so I could say I had a bunker. JR, engineering is involved in that. I know. That's why I don't have the money for it. I got to sell a few hundred thousand more books first. Or learn to do math. No, that's not <laughs> happening. I remember we were doing a training funny. exercise in uh, 03, right before the, the war started and the deployments. And they figured we were training a co uh, multinational uh, group of U.S. Army paratrooper types and some British types and some other people who I didn't ever meet because I wasn't important enough. Uh, and so they said, oh, we'll just throw the, the National Guard and the IRR types into the fray as the bad guys. They're about as competent as the Iraqi National Guard. Uh, this is before the initial invasion. And then they decided the uh, the attack was going to happen at X time is when the the uh, the festivities were supposed to start. So all the guard NCO said, we'll be at the NCO club drinking. We'll, we'll be back in time. And uh, PFC Handley, you're in charge. Big mistake, big mistake. And so I, I said, okay, we're going to dig the foxholes where they told us to, which by the way, they didn't intersect fire. They messed up. So then we had to move all of them. And lo and behold, the enemy didn't attack on time. They were early. So I got the bright idea because it was going really badly for us that, well, if I just call in feel, uh, friendly fire, like I can call in fire support and we'll just take them out because they're clustering. But I messed up the math and I dropped it on our heads instead of theirs. It was a very bad day for us. Yeah. Color me surprised. There, there's a reason that I was still a PFC because I was still kind of boot at that point. Kind and, of? And just, yeah, okay. Actually, I had time in grade. I just didn't have a lot of field experience where we did it. The professor, see, I was in the guard when it transitioned from, you know, a bunch of drunks on the weekend to a real place that went places and kicked in doors and did the fun stuff. So, but the cool thing was the Brits took us out for beer because we ended the activity so early on account of we all died much quicker than they thought we would. <laughs> so for dying honorably, we got beer. Well, you know what? They say that you get mead and Valhalla, so that works, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but then they made us go back and finish digging the holes, even though the activity was over, which I thought was kind of bad form on the officer's part. <laughs> if you, if you call down fire on yourself then uh yeah you kind of earned that one uh, i mean I in, in, in my defense I, I had somewhat of a reputation this was my second time as a pfc <laughs> yeah especially then so they should have known better than to leave you in charge of yeah anything i guess they thought yourself. i learned my lesson but you know again in my defense public school math uh, yeah, danger close is one thing dude but holy shit I still couldn't even recreate that if I tried. I don't know how I messed the math up that bad. You know, I could always blame the artillery people and say it was their fault. Yeah. Let's go no, with that. No. Yeah, except now we have an on-air confession, so you're stuck. <laughs> anyway, how did I sidetrack us with this funny story about me killing Because you people? love this story. Because it simultaneously, you think, makes you look cool while proving you're a complete moron. Uh, I mean, I did sign up to podcast with you. I think I proved that already. Well, you know, you invited me, so it was your well, fault. Well, technically, Casey invited you. I just invited her. <laughs> well, there you go. She gets real bossy like that sometimes. Just so, in other words, we're just going to blame the Air Force. Okay, we can do that. 
works for me. They're not here to defend themselves. <laughs> you you <laughs> can plead the fifth. Casey knows how to hover in something with true. a lot of big guns. I've noticed that Casey knows how to hover. We love you, Casey. Oh, um, you mean in her helicopter? Yeah. Well, what if we let you have our Tabasco sauce out of the MRE? You think that'll give us some brownie points? No. 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 You better I, cough up some jalapeno cheese for that. Okay. Okay. What's well, the Air Force? So I don't know if they're like getting caviar and fine wine. <laughs> I've had Air Force wine. It's not very fine. <laughs> that uh, seems all right. right. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. So on to the religion question. Now that we've lost everybody into the land of ADHD. Um, so pick one Black Hawk Down, Fury, or Lone Survivor. You want to go first, Jamie, since you are the guest on the podcast? Um, well, it, it's been probably close to 20 years since I've seen Black Hawk Down. Um, I've never seen Fury. And uh, so I and Marcus Luttrell made me laugh in range 15. So I'll go with Lone Survivor. There you go. Okay, JR, how about you? I would probably pick Black Hawk Down because it's one of those uh, scenes that I thought did very well at capturing modern urban warfare. So it was as eh, close to, to my experience as far as that scene of it, although most of our fighting was on the roads. But the scene where the tendonitis happens and the guy's got the ringing and everyone's shouting at him and he can't hear, I relate to that's that. That's not tendonitis. That's te tendonitis. Tendonitis. Okay. I could spell it. Just don't ask me to say it. Please don't spray it either. <laughs> you hush. All right. So do you have a favorite, Doc? Since, since you're here, we're going to make you answer too. Only one of those that I've seen is Black Hawk Down. Most excellent choice. I agree. Which is a very common army medic movie to watch in training as they go, look, this is Hollywood medicine. It does not work like this. Yeah, that movie was on. hot shit my freshman year of ROTC. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So on to the other ones. And I have seen all of these. Braveheart, the 300 or the Alamo. I never I saw like the that. Alamo. Um, it's kind of a toss-up between Braveheart and 300, obviously, since those are the only other options. But uh, I think 300 was a better movie. But uh, I do abs in it better. My, my Scottish heart, you know. So. Yeah, I am kind of. I, I, I got to give it to Braveheart. So I am kind of torn as, you know, my family, the Hanleys are half German and half Scottish. So like, I feel like I have to ha say Braveheart, but like the 300 was aspirational on the, on the stomach abs going on. So, you know, there, there is that. Although I don't think I could pull off the little like mankini thing they were wearing. I don't think there's ever been a day when you could, but that's okay. Nope. Not even at my fittest when I was running half marathons. So, uh, but you know, well, I'll save the, off-color jokes for another episode because we, we try to be family friendly <laughs> yeah i have so, no idea if or when my kid is going to come out here so yeah. who knows my mine is in bed because uh the elf is watching him oh yeah we elf don't do that in my house snitches get stitches <laughs> yeah no mine um my my elf the elf came out late this year and um my my 
child became convinced that the elf was dead. And so if you haven't clued in, we're actually recording this on the uh, 17th. So we're in the middle of the Christmas buildup, but you'll be hearing this in January. So I hope Santa brought you everything you wanted and more and happy new year and stuff. I hope elves weren't snitching on you. Yes, we do hope the elves didn't snitch. Although if you saw the elves as uh, Netflix portrayed them, kind of creepy. <laughs> haven't seen it yet. We should I do not a either. review. It's it's like Christmas horror. We should do a review. But anyway, we got but one anyway. more religion question because I decided to go for the triumvirate today. Okay. So I guess the third in the triumvirate is horror. So 13 hours Gallipoli? Gallipoli? Gallipoli. Gallipoli or Zulu? I don't know those. I don't know any. Uh, the only one of those I've seen is Zulu. Um, so um, I will go with that because Michael Caine. Fair and Color Sergeant Bourne was another good one. Um, and he judges you, but uh, I also like Gallipoli. So oh, I've I would, judged you. Yeah, she <laughs> judged me all the time, Doc. So I like both of them. Uh, in case you missed out on all of these, the unifying thing being heroic last stands. So, you know, I'll throw that out there because sometimes Doc misses all of the themes I try to throw in when I pick grouped uh, movie titles and book series. So let's uh, introduce the episode. So today we'll be doing a brief episode. Well, okay, I lied. We're not going to be brief. We're already 15 minutes in and we just got to the introduction. So uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing an episode where we dive into the world of short fiction. And this uh, this time on deck, we have uh, Bayonet Books on Deadly Ground. So <clears throat> let me try to do my movie trailer voice. I'm going to get fired. I know. Doc my pay already. But we're going to try it anyway. All right. You ready for this, Doc? No. Across a thousand battlefields and a million wars, there's always one question. What do you do when all the chips are on the table? Do you run? Try to find salvation in the arms of an easy peace? Or do you stand and fight? On Deadly Ground has ten stories handling this exact question. Each character faces the impossible in different ways, but all will be tested before the day is done. Can you earn a heroic victory amongst the endless eternity of space? Or are you doomed to fall into obscurity? Dun, dun, dun! Doc, come on. I, I totally have a career in like movie trailers, right? That's gonna be you my have fallback. A career plan. in something, it's not anything you're gonna make money in, though. But it's I mean, stick to the writing. Oh. Jamie thought it was awesome. I can tell. I played the fifth, but jeez. You know, you'll survive there. That is one thing I learned though in the army. The army women stick together. I didn't stand a chance in the beginning, it was already lost before it started. <laughs> all right the next question is your stock if you unless you want to just mock me some more that's always an option um we can do hours of just mocking jr <laughs> i think we have done that I, i'm not sure that's a door you want to walk into <sighs> probably not but we didn't put this on the uh, outline so i'm gonna throw this up what and uh the cover because the cover is uh made by jamie glover and uh, normally we would ask, hey, what was the backstory on this cover? This was made by Jamie Glover. And when I told him, when we first started making covers for the anthologies, we wanted retro because we thought it looked cool and stuck out. And so we've kept that theme for all of them. So I told him I wanted to know what would happen if the Enterprise, the X-Wings, and uh, the Trench Run with Battlestar Galactica over overlays had like this wicked bastard stepchild just to have fun with it. I didn't think he'd actually do it, but this is the cover he gave me and it's glorious. 
I was wondering about how that came about, but now we know. Yeah. Apparently the lights should be on sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it was it started as a joke and then like all things with Jamie Glover who is amazing and I wish he still made covers. He took my humor and he actually believed me cuz you know British going to British, I guess, and he made something glorious. So, there's a reason the sun doesn't set on the British Empire. Apparently it's caffeine. Cuz that's the <laughs> only explanation I get for him going with my insanity. You know, that's okay. It seems to be working well for you. But what is the title of your story? All right. Do you want to answer that one or do you want me to, Jamie? Uh, oh, I, I can do this one. <laughs> uh, our story is called A Mother's Love. So okay. the, the whole anthology was actually built around this story. When... Uh, Chris recommended Jamie and I write together. We said, well, let's try a short story because the time investment is minimal and we'll see if we can even, if our styles are even compatible. And so I had the idea of heroic last stand. So I figured I'd give it a shot and I wrote it uh, after we discussed the outline and then I sent it to her and she wrote over it. It's as much her as it is me. And then we let her husband, the air force guy read it and we gave him force Whitaker eyes. So I figured we did. Okay. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you have two, you know, two soldiers trying to write, you know, what's for lack of a better term, air combat. And that just doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, I went with hand wavium and um, or some people call it polonium. I'm okay with either, but hand wavium just sounds cooler. Um, and we just went with it. But Chris likes to try to be realistic and stuff. Well, you know, Science. music still exists. Um and uh, there's also the, you know, the fact that once you set something going in space, it doesn't stop unless you make it stop. Well, um, see, uh, I am, I am co-hosting with a, a big Trekkie nerd. And what we learned in Star Trek is that if you invert the polarity on the dilithium crystal, all things are possible. So I got that going for me. I'm going to send you a triple if you're not careful. Can we but feed big, it after after dark? The big issue, though, with getting the um, the combat scenes right in space was um, it was more about capturing that fighter pilot culture, the way they think and speak and approach an you know an obstacle. Um, that I think was really critical to get down. In the way, like I stole some of the, when I wrote the radio dialogue, I actually stole from some actual recorded radio dialogue between an artillery unit calling in fire, which isn't the same as the way the air force does it, but it's as not close as I could get. Force. It's as close as I could get to not being infantry style, which obviously space force wouldn't be. Yeah. So, and then, and then I got a, you poor child when, uh, when Jamie was editing it. Uh, and then we got more uh, judging faces from, from Chris and, and lots of revisions later. We have the story before you. <laughs> yeah, there was so, a lot of, um, you know, watching red flag videos. Yes. Okay. So, but back to some of the outline. So what is the synopsis of your short story? Is it how JR's mom loves 
all the women that he podcasts with but him. Yeah, my mom doesn't love me as much as she loves you. Rub it in again. It's okay. <laughs> Not that I feel some kind of way about that. So, uh, uh, the okay, Sonata, Jared, you should be used to it by now. You would think. I, I need to go back to counseling. Um, so the <laughs> general synopsis of this short story was, hold on. Okay, the kid was trying to come in. So the general synopsis of this short story is basically a uh, remote colony comes under attack and the forces that be have to fight a rearguard action to protect the civilians on the outpost as they get away to safety. Did I miss anything important, Jamie? Um, no, that's that's pretty much it. So okay. how many moms are involved? At least the main character. Yeah. That's the only one um, we, we only focused on her and her immediate family. Uh, and apparently, I, I have to hang my head in shame because there was a scene where we talked about booze. And apparently, I got the type of glass wrong because you can't just pour everything in a mason jar and call it good. Not no, unless not a 25-year-old scotch. Yeah, no, not a 25-year-old scotch. I mean, I, I would have to hurt you. And I'm and I'm I, from the deep south. <laughs> I drank 25-year-old Glenlivet out of a Red Solo cup. That's blasphemy, dude. There's a reason you were a PFC multiple times, and that <laughs> definitely is part of that. Uh, oh my goodness, we're not going to go there. Okay, so I did. I did get a fun little conversation with both Jamie and Chris at the same time over uh, FaceTime as they explained to me how sinful my my lack of knowledge was. They took that <laughs> as a personal affront. You know what? Don't make me agree with the Air Force officer. No, that has more to do with me being Scottish. Speaking of, we really ought to get the like some booze company to sponsor us the way it keeps coming up in these podcasts. I know. You go figure out which one. All right, I'll do that. I recommend Kraken. Oh, dude, I love Kraken. Kraken and eggnog is What? So it's perfect for a dark and stormy. It is perfect for a dark and stormy, and it also makes a pretty good rum for doing um, banana flusters. Yes. Oh, yeah. Also, I need, I need to expand my um, alcoholic palate, I guess. I'm still beer and whiskey and Coke kind of guy. Yeah, but you drink bad whiskey, which is fine, because if you're going to drink good whiskey out of a solo cup or good scotch out of a solo cup, you don't deserve the good stuff. Oh. <laughs> So, tell us a bit about our main character in this. Do you, uh, you want you this want, one, Jamie? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So, basically, our main character is Major Lainey Parvin. She has a, <laughs> a U.S. Space Force officer with the call sign Sauce. I don't know why the call signs are so big deal, but they assured me, uh, Chris and Jamie, that call <laughs> signs were a big deal. And um, yes. hold on. Let me let this dog shut up real quick. JR, even I know call signs are a big deal. And I know next to nothing on this issue. I'll, I'll, I'll give you two words to explain why it's a big deal, even though it's not Air Force. Okay. Maverick, Goose. Yeah. Okay. So we did call signs in Iraq, but we had like Motorola's and it wasn't official army chatter, but like it wasn't anything super like traditional <laughs> either. So. Sorry, I'm trying to shut Elvis up, but he's just being a butt today. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it's about she's a pilot uh, in charge of um, one of the wings at this uh, this space colony, 
And um, when the station comes under siege, she has to put aside her time with her family that's interrupted at the beginning. And, um, you know, her kids, because she's she's got a husband who is away at a different posting at the moment. So she's got to make the choice between her duty to her family and her duty to her country, to the Space Force and to the space colony she's, you know, sworn to protect. Um, and so she has to make that tough call. And that's sort of the main character. Uh, a lot of that was obviously, as I'm not a mother, was uh, flavored with uh, strongly with Jamie uh, adding to that. Um, so I, I will say when we wrote this, uh, we had the comment from the editor that we made two of their editors cry because it was they were moved, which Aww. I thought was kind of cool. So, I mean, so, if they were saying they were crying because they read my, like, my rough draft, I'd believe it. But no, they, they were moved, we were told. So, what's the inspir inspiration for this story? Um, so I feel like I'm doing all the talking, Jamie. But uh, we had this Space Force idea. So, when Winder and I were writing together, we had two worlds we were co-writing together. And so we picked, each of us took one and then we split the kids up in the divorce, so to speak. And I took the Space Force because I had written the first 70,000 words of that first novel. Uh, and so we had this idea of the universe already. And then when we brought, uh, when Boggs convinced me that Jamie was the go-to person, and I'm convinced he was right, we uh, we wanted to try to like build some backstory um, as we figured things out and, uh, and test our writing style. But that was mostly it. Okay, but so that's the, some of the inspiration for why this world came about. But Jamie, why were you inspired to write this story? Um, I mean, I know you know this kind of question that you guys have posed for the main character probably more intimately than most. Like, yeah, I mean, so every oh, go ahead. And say one of the things Jamie and I have talked about outside of any writing collaborations, because her and, and and Chris and I go back and forth like waxing philosophical about various topics and current events and, and all of the things that you do when you sit around and drink and reminisce about the world around you. And one of the things we that always struck us with some of the worlds that we have read and know is the lack of consequences for actions. So you can't just show up somewhere, kill a bunch of aliens or people or whatever, and have your friends die around you and have it mean oh, nothing. If you can do that and it doesn't matter, you're a sociopath and you should probably be in a jail cell. Uh, so that's what started the inspiration. And then Jamie just added the um, the mom flair to it. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I mean, I spend every single day with my daughter and um, who, you know, may, may or may not be partially the inspiration for the youngest child. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think every mom looks at her kid and says, you know, what wouldn't I do for this child? Yeah, but, so, and sometimes as a mom, you know, you face sometimes that harder call of, there's lots of different options on what to do and how to approach the same thing. There are. But also, so. you know, and looking at it as a soldier, uh, your your troops become a surrogate family. So it's it's almost the same question, you know, what wouldn't I do for them? So in 
bringing that to this character, she is... She has to figure out a way to protect everybody that is near and dear to her. I, I will say that the uh, the way Jamie and I set this up, this sort of no-win proposition where you have to choose between your immediate family and your military family isn't one most of us have to face. At least in America, most of our wars have been fought on foreign lands. So mm -hmm. generally speaking, our families are safe at home. So for us, it was it was a lot of imagining, like sort of if we were in that position, how we would handle it. Because let's face it, you know, while we've been to war, like uh, my family was safe in Virginia while I was in, in Mesopotamia. So it wasn't like I wasn't worried about a bomb blowing them up. Yeah. But I wanted like we wanted to play with that idea because that's not something Americans have really had to worry about. I mean, we, we were invaded, I guess, World War II was the last time. And even then it was just. World War II was the last time. And the last time alert the in Desert Storm in the 1990s was the was the largest concentration of U.S. civilians overseas. Oh. So that affected U.S. families a lot more than most people realize. But yeah, for the most part, we are been nicely insulated by those two giant oceans. So, um, yeah, but that was that was sort of the inspiration when we both came up with it. So, you've talked about how there's a larger universe that you guys are working oh. on together. How does this story fit into that universe? Is it going to be a prequel? What? Maybe. Or are we still working it out and I'm just asking deep, so, meaningful questions? No, well, the, there are. So what I mentioned that this had some short stories in this universe, to, but what Jamie and I decided as we went through all of them is one, they're not canon anymore. We're going to reevaluate them and rewrite them if possible to save the, the words. But right now, this is the only published thing that's official in the, uh, in the Space Force universe. Uh, we have a, no, well, I guess it's a novel now because Jamie doubled the word length when I sent her a short novella. Yeah. Um, but we have a, like, this is prehistory of the main series. And then we have another story that we're in the process of final edits now, Mad Hatter, about the, um, the first FTL in this world. Um, so that is the larger universe. And it really started when President Trump announced the U.S. Space Force um, as a, the sixth branch of, of the military. Uh, and I remember at the time, everyone was joking like it was a joke. It was never going to happen. The Air Force already had Space Command. We didn't need this. Um, and so I started thinking, like, well, you know, what if the Space Force became so, so, somewhat cooler and, like, ODST in space with, you know, shades of all other kinds of cool badassery involved? And we sort of took it from there. Uh, and then Jamie brought the grounding in reality because, you know, she likes to worry about science and math and stuff. Well, one of you's got to. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the rule of cool. It has to be plausible. So I, I, I will say what, what her strongest, her biggest strength when it comes to writing, though, she, she's really good at writing people. Me, I just like to make things go boom. I like to know who is making things go boom. Fair. So and you don't have to really know this universe at all in order to truly enjoy and get the maximum value out of this story then. No. Nah. No. Nah. So. 
And, and then Jared's going to want me to ask his favorite one. Where does this fit in, in the subgenres of science fiction? Um, so this whole anthology was themed around two things. It was Space Fleet in the military sci-fi subgenre, so planes in, in space, basically. Uh, but then the overall theme was Heroic Last Stands, and that's sort of where we're taking all of the anthologies instead of just making it subgenre based give it a theme within that subgenre um see i can learn things i, I was uh talking to one of your friends doc who, who suggested that um but yeah okay, so it's so, basically jamie where do you think it fits in on some of the subgenres is it like early space mid exploration or what um I don't know. I would say, I mean, relatively near future. Um, I, I would not hard science, but because um, it sounds like what some of these subgenres are. Uh, That's why Jr. loves the subgenres, and I just make fun of them for him. <laughs> so I, I know, just uh, I just like to tell a story, and um, it just it kind of becomes what it what it is so is space force like how new is space force in this universe when you're doing for this because you're calling it prehistory so so the mad hatter story she's editing now is literally the first ftl um so near future that is not... very near future um this is a couple hundred years later but a couple hundred years before the main series we're both writing together okay yeah and that gave us the ability to make this stand completely alone but still tie in okay that's sort of a hmm? sort of an easter egg well we all love our easter eggs um what is it that really appeals to you guys about writing this particularly with all the um fighter pilot type stuff with this. Well, while she thinks of her answer, because I see her staring off into space thinking, for me, it was just a challenge because I don't have a lot of experience with that. So it was just sort of expanding my horizons, sort of my skill set, if you would. Um, like I said, most of my experience is, you know, boots on ground. And that's what I enjoy telling, storytelling wise. But obviously there has to be more to that to the universe to have legs for any universe. So I wanted to sort of just experiment, which is what I tend to do mostly with my short stories as I play with concepts. Um, what about you, Jamie? Um, I just thought it was going to be fun. <laughs> hey, that is a, a very valid reason. Um, so. I just I just like telling stories that uh, that speak to people. And if we made editors cry, then apparently it it worked. I will say that Jamie, when she says she, she just writes the story and doesn't worry about genre, she is correct. When I handed her, like, for instance, Mad Hatter, I'm like, this is pretty standard first contact colonization kind of story. You know, it was just fun. And she's like, yeah, how do you feel about space horror? That'll be okay, right? Uh, okay, I'm not sure where you went with that, but somehow we turned left at Kansas. I'm going to take it, though. That's sort of her, her bag. She's not lying. She says she just tells the story and worries about the rest later. 
I, yeah. I think that's a great way to make sure that you get a good story. And that's the real drive, right? I don't yeah. I don't like locking myself into a box. So if you've been in the service, we all did that at least once. Sometimes it was to escape the annoying people. Sometimes it just felt like it was a box. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how would you, if you could live in the Space Force universe, would you? Jamie? That really depends on what planet I'm on. Fair enough. Would you live uh, in I will this Space Force timeline? On the colony? Um, I mean, I guess if I'm one of the ones that gets out alive, yeah, dying sucks. It's okay, JR. <laughs> happens to them all. But if you're Joe if you, Buckley, it happens a lot more than most. I mean, but if you've seen me drive an 18-wheeler, you know sure as hell you don't want me driving your spaceships, so. <laughs> um, would you sign up for the military in this future universe? And which branch would it be? Hmm. That's really going to depend on the signing bonus. <laughs> nice. I approve. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, you have me at lasers and pew pew, so probably I'd be the sucker. It's still go infantry. But I, <laughs> I, 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 liked, I liked my bang bang brother, so... For, for all it sucks getting blown up, I had a blast. So, if you could leave Earth to colonize the stars, would you? Most definitely. You could take your family. You could take your family. You take your family. Or not. If you want to. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you're going and you you couldn't take a lot of your stuff because you know we'll get you new stuff when you get there. What's the one thing from home you'd want to take with you, like tangible thing? Um, music. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it'd be that's digital. That's you can digitize that. That's easy. That's just storage. yeah, but. It all of those files are going to take up space somewhere. I want a big yeah. ass external hard drive full of music. Okay. Yeah. I'd be bringing some sort of booze because, you know. You can make booze. Music's a better answer. Yeah, but you can't age it in the space station. Maybe not. I don't know. You I'd, can't. They probably don't have wooden casks to age it fine to perfection. You don't, JR, you drink 24-year-old scotch out of a solo cup. You can't talk about aging things. <laughs> I mean, I could grow up and develop a palate someday. You're, no, you're not going to. I've seen how you cook. Okay. <laughs> and, a, and a fine cigar, because I, I, I used to love me a good cigar. You're not going to be able to smoke it. Not until we fair, land. I just recently developed my taste for scotch and whiskey, and like in the last year. So there is hope. But I, I went to Not a buddy guy's wedding and they were doing like their whole highfalutin champagne toast. I'm the guy that dumped the champagne in the planter behind me so I could put my beer in this wine flute. Yeah, there's no hope for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love how your writing partner tried to like, like, no, it'll be, never mind. <laughs> I mean, I take it back. <laughs> 
There's a reason she was an officer and I was a sergeant. It, it sort of works. She has taste. You don't? I wasn't going that direction, but sure, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Standards, class, style. Oh, stock, you're killing me here. It's what happened to Holiday Spirit. <laughs> this is airing in January. I'm not sure it counts. So no Festivus for the rest of us? Yeah, you'll get survived. Ouch. Well, I'm sure Jamie will be nice to me because Mox will make her. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I, I noticed she's being really, really silent here. See, she's just going to, if she's going to be silent every time there's the opportunity to kick you comes up, I'm going to be doing a lot more kicking. All right. Um, so, yeah. When you when you deal with uh, Jamie, when you're dealing with uh, the subgenre of like space fleet type action, so so ships in space essentially, how much of it do you feel compelled, uh, given your husband's avocation and profession, to try to get it right, and how much do you say, you know what, I don't care, rule of cool. Um, I find at least following basic physics, uh enhances rule of cool because if it's plausible if not believable that just that just makes it better because i think it draws people into the story more i mean i didn't have to take physics in college i took biology and geology so oh i've never taken a physics class <laughs> so i i know the basics that i learned from reading sci-fi and probably most of that's made up oh Doc's cringing inside. Her little scientific heart is just breaking. I had to take physics. I had to take quantum mechanics. I yeah. hate those classes would have really come in handy right about now. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't. I didn't take any of them. I yeah. what I'm putting into this these stories are either self-taught or finding people who know what they're talking about. I did that too. That's why I brought Jamie on. Of course, I knew she was totally going to correct all my science. They are. My nine-year-old can correct your science. <laughs> Possible. What does he know about geology, though? I took that one in college, too. He got an A in that class. You shut up. <laughs> I made it through with a B. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm, I'm, my child, he's expected to get A's in science. But I made it through histiography, all right? So take that. Histiography? The history of history. The history uh, of the study of the like... field of history. It was, it was enlightening. But anyway, you don't care about that, so we're going to bore everyone if I keep going. Except for, like, you, Carl. I know you're listening. You like it, at least. <laughs> or claim to. So, um... Finally, I guess we're kind of are at the end of this. We are at the kind of the end of this. So, Jamie, how can listeners find you? Um, there is the uh, the Amazon author page, um, which I'm still in the process of unfornicating. And um, on Facebook, uh, Chris and I have a joint author page. It's uh, Chris and Jamie denote authors. Um, and yes, the question mark is on there. Uh, so far that's about it. We haven't, 
a, we haven't set up a web page or mailing list or anything like that. Totally fair. So JR, what, how can listeners find you other than by tuning in with us? So I have an Amazon page, which um, as usual, like with Jamie's links will be in the show note. My website is jrhanley.com. Really easy. Uh, my Facebook, I don't actually have a personal one. I didn't even start a Facebook account until I started writing. Uh, so it's just sergeant.jr.hanley on Facebook. Um, I know, really creative. I earned that sergeant stripe the hard way, so I, I claim it. Damn multiple it. times the hard way. No, no, take, no. I was a corporal multiple times. I was only a sergeant once. I oh. kept it. I, I sobered up, or at least I stopped getting caught. No, that's um, all that's required. Right. And so I'm uh, also on the Instagram, though not as active, over at uh, Instagram.com backslash JR underscore Handley, if you're sensing a theme there. And uh, you can support the, what I'm doing, editing it such with buymeacoffee.com backslash author JR Handley. And we lost Jamie. No, nope. I'm back. That, that was fantastic. And uh, if you're interested in picking up this anthology, that will be in the show notes as well, the On Deadly Grounds. So, and you can find us on the podcast at our Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the show at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Again, blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and we've actually gotten our third official email that wasn't just telling me to make like Elvis muzzled or something for the show. So that's progress. Like only to Elvis, you actually start give out real at email addresses more often. Well, the blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com is a real address. Just the ones were for hate mail. Maybe <laughs> I could give other people's email addresses and they could get our hate mail. That might Ooh. be something we look into. <laughs> um, anybody you don't like, send me their email addresses. Well, never mind. Don't really do that. Um, so we have our Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen, which is facebook.com backslash groups backslash a blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash a blasters and blades podcast. We have our website at anchor.fm backslash a blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. Uh, Seska is working with friends of the show to get us a real website, but for now that will have to do. You can also support the show over there on the Anchor FM website with a Patreon model of support where you can do a monthly reoccurring subscription for as little as 99 cents a month. Um, for the price of a cup of coffee a month, you keep the lights on, people. Uh, you can support us over on buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley as well. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley for the podcast, but in the show notes that it is for the podcast. Uh, and I promise I will keep Doc Seska and Nick Garber duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never surrender. And maybe I'll learn more about proper grown-up alcohol, but for now I'm drinking the rot gut because budgets are a thing, my friend. Oh, poor JR. So, Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber, J.R. Hanley, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things that go boom. And maybe we'll debate chicken and waffles on pizza instead of pineapple on pizza. Heresy. And uh, as we let this, this podcast go, we would be remiss if we didn't remind you, dear listener, go Army, beat Air Force.